Hello, race fans, and welcome to another edition of the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. I am your host, Scott Stiller. Thanks for finding us. We hope everybody is safe and healthy. Coming up on this week's podcast, we're talking with 10-time World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Champion Donnie Schatz. We'll also talk to the only driver in the NASCAR Cup Series who was born in western Pennsylvania, Garrett Smithley. And we're also talking with Indy Pro 2000 driver Colin Kaminsky. He is also the goaltender for the University of Pittsburgh hockey team. First up, however, is news of the past week. With Governor Wolf's extension of the stay-at-home order, all of the racetracks in the state have canceled their events for April out of an abundance of caution. iRacing drawing some impressive numbers in regards to viewership. The first eNASCAR race pulled in 900,000 viewers on FS1. That prompted Fox to carry the remaining events on both the Fox network and on FS1. The second race from Texas, which was carried on both networks, drew a combined 1.3 million viewers. IndyCar's iRacing Challenge drew 600,000 viewers online. That prompted NBC Sports to carry this weekend's race on NBCSN. Ratings for this past weekend's event for NASCAR at Bristol and IndyCar at Barber Motorsports Park will be out on Tuesday. Look for an update on pittsburghracingnow.com. We've also been talking to some of the local businesses about how the lack of racing is affecting their business. We're working on that story, and it should be out later this week. When we post those stories and updates, we'll let you know via our social media channels. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at Pittsburgh Racing Now. That's at PGH Racing Now. We also have a Facebook page, Pittsburgh Racing Now. First up this week, up-and-coming open-wheel driver Colin Kaminsky, who competes in the Indy Pro 2000 presented by Cooper Tires Series. Colin is a Chicago native who is also the goaltender for the University of Pittsburgh hockey team. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast is Colin Kaminsky. Now, some of you in Pittsburgh may know him as a goalie for the University of Pittsburgh hockey team, and some of you may know him as a driver in the Road to Indy series. Colin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Scott. How are you? I'm doing great. We appreciate you taking time out. How did you become? How did you, uh, or when did you first become a race fan? Um, I was. I guess I was pretty young. Uh, I think. I think it took a little bit later though than some other sports. Um, so obviously, you know, I play hockey, but uh, that was you know, a late progression for me as well. But uh, I started getting into you know baseball and football and all those traditional sports. But then, um, you know, my dad was a driver for a little while. Um, he did some stuff in the SCA and he did some stuff in the all-car, which I had, you know, the Star Mazda back when it was the old uh, tube chassis car. Um, so when I was young, you know, I'd go to his races and, and watch the cars go around. And when I wasn't playing with uh, toy cars in the dirt and stuff, I was, I guess, watching my dad and kind of sparked a little bit of an interest from that. And then when I was about 12 years old, I went to my first Indianapolis 500, actually, which was really cool and just really eye-opening. You know, that was the year um, Takuma Sato got put in the wall by Frank Heedy on, like, one of the last turns. And, you know, we were sitting right there in turn one, and it was probably the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, so that was, I guess, what sparked me into into actually starting getting into liking racing. 
I don't know. I think Sato, that was a bit of an ambitious move, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But, hey, if it's seeing you so hard, you're going to go for it, huh? Yeah, if and you know what? I was talking to Bobby Rayall about that a couple of years ago, and he said, ah, if Takuma would have just drafted off him coming off a two, he would have gone him yep. on the back stretch. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly what I got off age, and I started realizing what you uh, were to be. That's I, I thought the same thing. How crazy is it, though, that two guys, two car owners with connections at Pittsburgh were the two car owners that uh, were fighting it out for the Indy 500 win between Bobby Rahal and Chip Ganassi? How cool is that? That's true. That's very true. It's very cool. Um, I always thought that was interesting when I uh, when I finally got out to Pittsburgh for school and stuff, and just kind of, you know, doing a little bit of research here and there, you know, you hear about Ray Hall, and then, yeah, yeah I was going to ask as well, and it was just kind of like, eye-opening to see the the history that's actually rooted in Pittsburgh. So I thought that was really cool. So what was the – how old were you when you first stepped into your first race car competitively? First time I ever stepped into a race car competitively, I would have been 15 – no, 16. 16 years old, actually. Um, because I did a little bit of little bit of practice when I was you know, the springtime just before turning sixteen, and then my uh, my birthday's in May. Usually on the five hundred, it's Memorial Day weekend. Um, so I uh, once I turned sixteen, I entered my first race, and uh, yeah, the rest is history from there. So I was, I was pretty pretty late to it, unlike some of uh, the a lot of go karters. You know, go through karting their whole lives, and kind of like you know, a kid plays t ball, going up through baseball. These kids have been karting forever, whereas I was a um, Late bloomer, so to speak, for, for racing. And what series were the first series you competed in for everybody listening at home? Yeah, so I started um, in the SCCA, which is the Sports Car Club of America. It's uh, amateur racing, you know, the best you're going to get, where you get tons of car count, you know, really good drivers who have been there for how many years, you know, doing it as uh, something they love. Um, so I started in the SCCA in the Spec Racer Ford series. I'm not sure if you've heard of that one, but it's um, you know, these big boxy cars, they're probably 130 horse and, you know, they don't top out too quick, but maybe, maybe 140 and, um, really safe tube frame chassis cars with a lot of body work around you. So drives like an open wheel and you're safe while you're doing it. So even, so to speak, my first, my first race was at the June sprint in Road America, Elkhart, Lake, Wisconsin. We had 63 cars go for my very first race. Wow. So, uh, yeah, car count was uh, a really good thing for me. That's why um, I learned what I learned in that series. And then what was your next step? So the next step after that um, was obviously the road to Indy. Um, if, if for anybody following along through my career, um, I wrote, raced and spec racers for you know a couple of years and really tried to hone my racecraft there. And then once I hit... Um, 17, no, it was eight, I would have been 18, um, was when we kind of decided to make that move to the professional jump, uh, jump and just kind of, you know, see where I would lie. Cause my, so my dad started getting back into it, um, when he was, uh, he was racing in 2010 and then was out of it and then he got back into 2015. So I'd been around the paddock, we, we known uh, a couple faces there to try and get us started. So that's when we decided to make that jump into, get into the professional side of things because, you know, it, it was time to make this racing thing a career, you know? What or what drives you? Why did you become, why did you want to become a professional race car driver? For a while, you know, I didn't know that answer. Um, it was, it was something that 
just sparked me, you know, as a young kid, I was, you know, I started getting into racing. I thought the speed was cool. And when I was a little bit older, you know, like I said, being at that first 500, it was like, wow, this is really, you know, badass and just something that was so unlike anything else I've ever done to when I first sat in the race car, it was, you know, like it just, I knew immediately that it was something I wanted to do. And, you know, after doing a lot, a lot of amateur racing, trying to hone my racecraft, you know, I didn't know if I wanted it to be, um, a real career because you know how hard that could be in racing and then once uh i think once i won my first race in the scca was i think the thrill of winning which you know can be real hard to come by is i think what makes it all worth it and it it took me a while you know to start without driving anything and then trying to get a first win in a couple seasons was um so that was really tough and so once i first achieved that that really just kind of I just wanted to sink my teeth into it and really try to make it a career. So that that's really what fed me, I think. Now the driver gets all the glory of a win on the racetrack, but it's mm-hmm. it's still a team sport and I try it's hard sometimes hard to explain to the traditional stick, ball and puck sport folks yeah. th- that uh the amount of work that goes in behind the scenes that really takes for the driver to succeed on Sunday or Saturday or whatever night of the week you're racing. And uh, how can you compare and contrast your hockey sport or your hockey team to your race team? Uh, That's a really good question. Um, I think it, I think it transfers over very nicely Um, in a lot more cases than not, because, you know, what's, what's, ironic is that I'm a goalie in hockey. So, um, I, you know, I'm the last line of defense and it's also really that similar feel to a individual sport almost, you know, you got your team out there and they're doing everything they can. And you, know, you got your offense trying to score goals and your defense trying to keep the puck out of our end. But at the end of the day, you know, you can be the last line of defense. So you have to, you know, hunker down and do your job at the end of the day. And I think it transfers right over to racing to where, you know, we have, our team of mechanics and engineers and, and managers build this car from the ground up um, and put everything together, set it up properly, you know, make sure everything's on it and where it needs to be at all times. You know, we're driving at 150 miles an hour and you never know when, you know, uh, a loose nut's going to work its way down or something and we could have problems and the car could be in the wall. So when you watch your cars driving around, it doesn't look like a lot of work's being done, but, yeah, like you said, behind the scenes, you know, there's a whole team of uh, guys and gals working for you to, to try and put the car on the track and be quick. So I think it really correlates over to where there's going to be a team behind you or in front of you, I guess, if you're on the ice, so to speak. And they're going to play a huge role in being successful. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it comes down to how well you can do your own thing. And I think that's what's really cool about both positions. What are you taking at Pitt? I'm studying marketing. I'm in the business school there. So I'm a junior, junior at Pitt. Excellent. So, uh, you'll have a, a, your senior season this fall, as far as hockey goes. I will, I will be having my senior season. So I've been playing club hockey now for, for three years and, uh, we'll look to, you know, we were really close to nationals this year. Um, you know, we even, we even should have went, um, unfortunately, you know, nationals was canceled due to the uh, COVID outbreak, but we were really close there. We were ranked, you know, top 20, like the whole year and just, a little bit fell short, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to try and make a go at it next year. 
when uh, when you were growing up and getting into hockey, who were some of your favorite hockey players? Some of my favorite hockey players. Well, I'm from Chicagoland area originally, so uh, a couple easy answers, you know, would be like Patrick Kane or um, you know Marion Hosa. And I, I did like Niemi when we had him for the for the 2010 Cup. That was really cool when I was pretty young watching watching them win that cup. Um, so I think some of those guys uh, were really my favorite. Do you have any favorites wearing the black and gold? Have you had a chance to take in any of the Penguins games before the so NHL to, pulled the plug? So I've been to one Penguin game. I got to go last fall. Um, they were actually playing the Blackhawks. But uh, I think if I had to pick a Penguins player, you know, because I'm not a Penguins fan, but if I had to pick a Penguins player, I probably would go, well, a former Penguins player, I would have to go with uh, with Flurry because he was, he was the man. I wish he was still, you know, in Pittsburgh. It would be really cool to see him play. But, um, other than that, I don't follow the Penguins too much, so I don't have an answer for you there. Oh, that all good, all good. <laughs> we'll have to get you a couple student rush tickets or something. Get you in, there yeah, right, for a game or two. I am a Steelers fan, however, though, so I am in the black and gold there. Well, that hey, you just endeared yourself to every sports <laughs> fan in Pittsburgh. So yes, exactly. <laughs> How can you not be a Steelers fan, right? <laughs> I hear you there. Hey, uh, as far as your racing idols as you were growing up, who were some of the guys that you really looked up to as far as race car drivers? I think one of the first guys I started looking up to um, immediately um, was Joseph Newgarden, um, yeah, which might come as a shock, but he was a kid that I saw, you know, win Indy Lights races and then, you know, start a really solid IndyCar career being real quick out of the box for you know, Sarah Fisher Hartman and then, you know, Ed Carpenter, he was winning races for a team that, you know, maybe he's not going to win races on road courses. So to embody somebody who is, you know, as outspoken and just very professional, but still has a, uh, a fun little side to him. I think, uh, it's kind of everything you would want in a race car driver. And I think that somebody I could actually look up to and actually try to emulate while I make my own racing career. We had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and one oh, of yeah? the, yeah, one of the attributes that he talked about in Young Racers is he said, uh, you know, it, it's one thing to be quick. He said, all of the guys come into the sport now. He said, they're quick. He said, but it's, can you take a slow car and make it better or elevate it? Can you elevate yep. the program and can you elevate the program over the entire race weekend? He said, yep. you know, it's not just getting out and getting in the car and going fast it's it's when you're going fast how do you make the car faster where do you find those tenths and yep. i yep. found that really interesting absolutely no he's he's 100 right because you know yeah you can get into a fast race car but you know come next season everything's new you know um one prime example is mid-ohio sports car course like we will go there every year and that track is different from morning to night every single day like you never know what it's going to throw at you it's it's almost bizarre but it's just true so you have to be able to adapt and i think he's exactly right yeah well and one of the things i don't think uh the <laughs> the you know the diehard indy car fan or the diehard open wheel fan understands how much the wind and the temperature affects the cars but to the mm -hmm. casual sports fan they can't connect those dots unless someone educates them on things like that yeah, yeah, definitely. And that was something that was, I think, you know, at one point I was outside looking at, you know, I was young, just watching cars go fast. And 
have no idea what goes into it. Now I watch Indy 500 qualifying and see, you know, just how ballsy these guys really are going around the track, going into turn one, trying to hold their foot flat to the ground, you know, because they're trimmed out or whatever. And yeah, I think it's something that you kind of just have to, you know, if you have that little interest to learn, because, you know, for me at least, and I'm sure a lot of other people, it's like when you watch something, you know, you want to understand what's going on. Like a lot of people think baseball is boring because they don't understand what's going on. It's kind of the same thing there where it's like, we got, you know, crazy amounts of aerodynamics in these cars. You know, they're put in a wind tunnel to see, you know, how they're going to perform. And when we have wings and things like that, if, yeah, if we're talking about uh, wind, if uh, if uh, you got a headwind coming at you going into, you know, turn one at Indy, then, you know, it's going to be a lot easier for you to keep your foot flat because it's going to create downforce. Whereas, like, you got a tailwind, well, then you're going to be, you're going to be squirrely because the wind's blowing you forward. So, um, I think it's a really cool concept to, to understand just how, yeah, maybe the temperature and the pavement is going to make, you know, the track a little oily or something like that. Um, I think all those little, little nuances that people can figure out really do enhance the sport, but it can be, it can be tough to understand, like you said. So do you have a lot of guys on the hockey team? Are you turning them all into open wheel racing fans? I think I am. I really think I am. My, uh, my goalie partner has been begging me for uh, a team crew neck or a team, a team quarter zip since the start of the season. Unfortunately, I was going to get it to him uh, after returning from spring break, but I haven't been back to, to school because everything's been, been going online. But uh, I think uh, little by little, I'm turning these, these guys into some, some race fans. Some of them actually, they do know their, their stuff. They know their history, but it's only a couple of them. So all the, all the other guys, I'm, I'm trying to convert them over. I'll give you a cool little pit racing connection. Do you know Kate Gunlack? I do not. Kate was the assistant engineer to Chris Simmons on Scott Dixon's PNC Bank Honda. She left no Ganassi, way. Yeah. She left Ganassi's wow. team at the end of last year. She's a Pitt graduate. Oh, really? She well, that's awesome. got her engineering degree at Pitt. I think she yeah. might have went over to Aero Schmidt Peterson. I, I was supposed to catch up with her at St. Pete. Ah. The whole St. Pete weekend, as you know, was blown up. Yep. Did you uh, did you make it down there for St. Pete? We were down there for St. Pete, so oh, uh, very cool. So we're looking forward yeah. to the series. You know, everything firing back up. We got the big announcement today that they're going to move yep. the date to the Indy 500. They're tweaking the dates for Mid Ohio and a couple of the other races. And it sounds like St. Pete's going to be the season finale, which will be awesome. Yeah, I thought that was very strange, but like I'm very excited because um, I was you know real pumped to get going in St. Pete there last or this year and you know we had one practice and then everything was shut down before we could keep the weekend going so i'm i'm really excited about the fact they're going they're going back there if they could pull that off uh that would be really cool so that that would be an exciting finale well let's talk a little bit about your 2019 you spent that in usf 2000 on the road to indy ladder and this yep. year you're moving up to Indy Pro 2000 so talk a little bit about last year you had a fairly consistent year yeah, last year was really good for us, obviously. Um, it was a little bit surprising in some regards, and then some regards not. Um, you know, 2018, I had my best finish of fourth, um, you know, coming off my first full season, and it was kind of a little bit of a question mark on uh, what I could do, you know, moving into the Paps racing car, you know, because they put together such a good program that, uh, you know, you driving one of their seats, you're kind of expected to be quick. So didn't really know what to expect and just really didn't have any expectations on what to come. And, um, I ended up, yeah, having, I think a real breakthrough year is what I uh, like to consider it. And it was that first, I think, poll at Lucas Oil, 
that really kind of sprung me ahead of, of where I thought I needed to be, where it was finally a pole position where I felt like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be finishing first. Like, let's just keep that going. And then we pulled the back-to-back races at Road America, and that was really cool. And, you know, we ended up with, yeah, six, three poles, six podiums at the end of the year. And unfortunately, didn't snag a win, but it's, it's all coming. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that it's something that can happen this year and something I intend to do this year because even though we made the step up to Indy Pro 2000 without a win in USF, I think it's just the car is just really similar to the USF 2000 and it being the same chassis, meaning, you know, the monocoque is the same thing. So you're sitting in the same spot with the same seat and, you know, you got the added horsepower and downforce and stuff like that, but it really does transfer over and, and we've been quick in some testing and stuff like that. So I'm really excited to try and go for a win this year in Indy Pro 2000. You had a really good test at Indy in the fall, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes, we did. We, uh, Paps Racing went 1-2. Um, my teammate Hunter and I, we were we were really quick there, which was which was really cool, um, you know, because you never know what to expect, I guess, going up to a faster car. And, you know, when I went from the spec racer to the US 2000, it was, you know, night and day. I had downforce, I had horsepower, the car was lighter. Uh, the whole thing was just completely different to where it was almost a little bit intimidating to try and, you know, get used to things and get used to it quickly because you've got to try and compete right away. Whereas stepping into the Indy Pro, it was something, maybe a little bit of a question mark. And then after day one, you know, I topped the first, my first session in, uh, in the car at Indianapolis uh, on, the, on the first day of testing. So that was really cool um, just to see how, that the skill set that you build in US 2000 really transfers over to Indy Pro 2000. And now I feel you know, more comfortable than ever to, to get the season underway. So they threw the caution flag at the beginning of the year. You were all pumped up, ready to go. You got to jump yep. in the car. Uh, you at least got to at least run it a little bit. I mean, the Indy car guys didn't even get a chance to get in the cars. They pulled the plug nope. so quickly. So what were your impressions, when, you know, racing around the uh, Albert Witted and the streets of St. Pete? It was awesome. Um, I've been there a couple years before, and it was really cool to just get right back into it. Um, it's it's always been a place that um, I've never had you know raw pace there as a, as opposed to some other tracks because you know it is a street course and it it is a tough thing to do. But this year I was feeling really good. Um, we had some good lap times that that didn't show on the charts, you know, just based on you know where you're at when the when you cross the line if you ask for traffic and stuff. But it was just really comfortable and you know the Paps guys gave me an awesome car to work with so we were we were feeling comfortable there and uh it's nice to i guess get one practice in for maybe the season finale at the end of the year but yeah it was a little bit of a bummer to have them have them pull the plug after after practice thankfully you know we didn't hit the wall or anything there while we practiced because you know then there's there's some cost implications there so thankfully we kept it out of the wall and we're, we're relatively quick with our one practice but i am excited to return there well, you got to be excited because they're now going to open the road, uh, open the season in June at Road America, a place you're obviously familiar with, you're comfortable with, yep. and that plays a lot into it. I yes, you're exactly right. I couldn't be more happier that we're starting with Road America. While I would love to have had the season, you know, keep going with the with the circumstance that we're in, I think um, really just starting at road america is going to be an awesome thing for me and it's going to be an awesome thing for the team you know because we always have quick cars there obviously that was my that was my best finish last year with second you know i was real close to a win and uh, had a pole there as well so the pace is going to be there for sure it is my favorite track 
in the world. It's just such a such a fun time to drive. You know, really fast, long corners and the straightaways. It's it's picturesque with the trees on the side. You know, going down the back straight. It's just really cool place to be, and I think honestly, a really cool place to to kick the season off. So I think we're inadvertently lucky with that one. So I'm excited. And then from there, you guys will go to. Uh, will you guys race the road course at Indy when the uh, when the Indy cars race the doubleheader with NASCAR? Yes, so that is the plan. We will be there on July Fourth weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and yeah, like you said, we'll be doing the road course with NASCAR. So IndyCar and NASCAR tandem uh, event at the Speedway, I think, is going to be really cool for fans, actually. Um, and I know I'm excited because that'll be a a whole new demographic of fans that are going to be there for our race and a you know, a whole new series that I've never been a part of um, at the track at the same time. So I think, I think that will be cool. So yeah, Indy will be the next race after that one. Well, this will be a great opportunity to make a pitch to everybody here in Pittsburgh, all the sports fans. Why should they go out to the Brickyard for that weekend to take in uh, the road to Indy, the Indy cars, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and the NASCAR Cup Series? Put your salesman hat on for me. Well, you just did it for me, man. How many series did you just name, right? <laughs> like, how many, how many different series do you want to go see all at one time, all at one place at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you know, and on July 4th weekend, you know, it's America's birthday and we're going to be driving NASCARs and Indy cars and everything in between uh, at the track. And it's going to be, it's going to be a fun one. So now another date that everybody in Western PA can circle is August 7th through the 9th. Uh, that is when you guys are going to head to the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Complex. It's the closest the Road to Indy series gets to the city of Pittsburgh. And I know a ton of people that come up from western Pennsylvania to uh, check out the Indy cars. And the fact that they have all the series running, that's just, an, to me, that is just an awesome weekend. And it's so yeah. close. I mean, you could make the trip back and forth each day if you wanted, but why not just go up, camp out, and party and have a great weekend? Totally. Mid Ohio has probably been one of my favorite. Um, that was actually the first weekend I got to go to um, when my dad started getting back into you know the professional side of things for for a bit there. And that was one where, like you just said, we we had you know got the RV and we we went over to the the camping site and we we spotted down right outside the carousel and we just. You know, having fires, sitting around, talking, having a great time in between the day. And like you said, it's, it's so close to Pittsburgh. It's so close to Western PA. You, you know, it's two hours. You could you could make that drive morning and night if you really wanted to. Or, yeah, maybe you could pitch a tent and find a spot. And it's a really great community atmosphere that weekend. And it's it's definitely one for anybody listening to, to make. If you've got an interest in racing, then Middle Ohio Sports Car Course is, is the place to be for that weekend for sure. So what's the game plan here for you over the next couple of weeks since uh, we're in the, the COVID-19, you know, red flag period, whatever you want to call it? Uh, yep. Do you finish up your semester and then you switch gears to racing? Uh, how's, how's your schedule shake out here the next couple of weeks? Well, it's had a big question mark the last couple of weeks, but now we got finally some, some concrete things in place. Um, I'll have, yeah, school for the rest of the semester. So we'll be all online courses. You know, I'm home in Chicagoland area um, on my laptop, just, you know, doing school. Like I told you, I just got out of class probably 45 minutes ago. And um, yeah, it's all just online for us until the end of April, about April 20th or 22nd, whatever the day is, somewhere like that. We'll, we'll take finals online and stuff like that. So we'll be doing school remote from home. And then, uh, yeah, once racing gets, 
started up in June. Once the season gets underway, then uh, I'll be able to put school on hold for a little bit and not have to worry about it until, I guess, August once we're hopefully back on campus and back into the normal swing of things. So I'm definitely staying busy in the meantime, you know, the job and then, um, you know, I'm trying to get some sim stuff. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that, you know, all the, all the series are trying, yeah, all the series are trying to get some, uh, everything done and making some series out of that. So I've been, I've been a part of that and, uh, it's been, it's been busy, but it's been fun. So, are you going to race in the RTI Sim Series? I am. Yeah. So, we'll uh, our first race is coming up on Saturday this weekend, and all the Rotindi fans can watch right on the app, just like usual, uh, which is really cool. I'm glad they set it up like that, and we'll have uh, about 34 drivers, I think, all racing the Pro Mazda car on on iRacing. So that'll be a lot of fun. I had some fun last week talking with Sabra Cook, the W Series driver. She's going to run a partial Indy Pro 2000 schedule. Uh, yeah, I, her first uh, when I first heard of her was at the Pittsburgh International Race Complex uh, outside of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and she told me the other day it was actually her first professional race. Oh, really? So it was kind of wild. So, uh, so it's great to see guys like you, girls like her, coming up through the ranks, and I really enjoy watching the younger drivers progress through the through the series. Uh, Robert McGinnis a couple of years ago raced out here. Now he's running an Indy Lights car for Andretti. So, yep. uh, so I think it's even more exciting when we can have a Pittsburgh connection like yourself, the goaltender for the Pittsburgh Panthers. We got to get it like a we got to get a pit sticker on your car or something. You think we? Think- I know. I really. I know. I need to reach out to the university. Maybe they'll maybe they'll pay my tire fee or something. I can throw a nice big pit sticker on there. <laughs> Tell Heather like stroke a check. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, funny that you say that though, because I've, I've actually done a little bit of racing at, at Pittsburgh International. Uh, I was there in 2015 with my dad. We were doing spec racers, and we had an off weekend. It was right before school started, so we, you know, loaded up the the trailer and headed out headed out east all the way to Pittsburgh, which was a long drive with the with the trailer. And uh, that was a, that was a really fun weekend. So I, I haven't been able to get back since, but it was honestly one of my favorite tracks. So. I've got, yeah, a little bit of a pit connection, which is cool. That's awesome. We're excited for you. We're excited to get the season going. Today's announcement, I think, was exactly what everybody needed to kind of lift them up a little bit and get them ready ready for the race season. So we're excited to follow along your season this year. You're going to be our local connection to the Indy Pro 2000 Series. Are you up for it? Perfect. I will not disappoint this year. Awesome. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Hopefully, we'll see you on the on the top step of the podium, holding that checkered flag and shaking the. That they give you champagne. Are you guys old enough to shake the champagne? I have been given champagne. It's funny you should ask. I was given champagne with my first podium back in May, but I hadn't even turned twenty yet. I had a I had a week to go before I turned twenty. So now, at the start of the season, I will be twenty one for all the races. So they do give the twenty one year olds and above proper champagne. Everybody else gets uh, sparkling grape juice, except for that. Except for that one mistake that I had for my first podium, which was nice. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Colin Kaminsky, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. Best of luck to you this year in the Indy Pro 2000 Series. We're going to keep watching you, and we're going to catch up with you a couple of stops along the way. I know I'll be out at Indy for the road course race. I'll be out at Mid-Ohio for sure. I'll be back at Indy for the uh, 500. I think that weekend you guys are going to run uh, – over at Lucas Oil Raceway, correct? 
Yes, we will. Yeah, we'll be we'll be doing the what used to be the you know the night before the five hundred is now run on Car Bay the day before. So we will absolutely be at Lucas Oil Raceway doing the over there. Cool. So I'm going to make a trip to make sure I, I check out that race. So we'll be there. And uh, since I was down at St. Pete, I have no problem leaving Pittsburgh to go to the Sunshine in Florida again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially yeah, once it starts getting a little bit chillier in October, I cannot complain. Right. Now, the leaves will be changing, and we'll be chasing the sunshine and the checkered flag. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Colin Kaminsky, thanks for the time. We appreciate you joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. Thanks a bunch, Guy. I really appreciate it. Hope everybody tunes in. Always great to talk to young drivers, and it's even more fun to follow their progression. As we mentioned at the start of the show, we hope everybody is safe and healthy, and we especially hope you're following the CDC guidelines in regard to the coronavirus. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Shifting gears to the stock car scene, our next guest drives for Rick Ware Racing in the NASCAR Cup Series. Garrett Smithley is a Western Pennsylvania native and is the only Cup Series driver who hails from our area. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast is NASCAR driver Garrett Smithley. Garrett, you have a very unique connection to Western Pennsylvania for the race fans joining us. Explain that to everybody. Yeah, it's uh, it's home for me. Uh, grew up in Ligonier, Pennsylvania, born in Latrobe. Um, I, I only lived there for five years, but uh, but we we always came back home for vacations, uh, summer vacations, and, and winter vacations when I was in school. Um, grew up going to Ida Wild Park. And uh, still continue that even uh, even uh, now that I'm racing in NASCAR. I'm, uh, every time I come up and race Pocono, which is of course on the other side of the state, I try to come up early and, and go hang out with the cousins. So um, definitely a special place for me. So you still have some family in the area? Yeah, yeah, pretty much uh, all of my dad's side of the family. My grandparents are up there. Uh, my cousins are up there. So um, so I I try to get up there as much as I can. And I didn't get to go last year, but uh, the the two years prior, I brought a show car up there and was in the Fort Ligonier Days Parade. Oh, that is awesome. So if you go to do that again, let us know, and we'll be sure to add that to our – we have a racing notebook that we publish every day on the website, so that'd be something cool to add to the notebook. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. So when did you, as a fan or as a kid, first get into racing? Yeah, I was about, um, I would say, two or two or three years old, really. I mean, it was, like, very, very young. My dad was a big race fan. Um, he he grew up kind of going to um, Jennerstown back when it was dirt. And um, and so he would, he would go over there. He would, like, push late models and sprint cars and stuff with four-wheelers and just hang out. In fact, my grandma was a track nurse over there. And before I or I, I think it was after I started racing, I was about two two or three years after I started racing, I found out that uh, my uh, great uncle Duffy, 
who was my grandma's brother, he he raced over there. Um, at Jennerstown, he raced at Motodrome. Um, I think he raced like kind of like a modified kind of thing. Um, but this was way back in the in the fifties and sixties. So um, definitely, racing was uh, was was big in in my family. Um, I didn't get into it as a driver until I was fifteen years old. We had moved from Pennsylvania to Virginia and then Virginia to Georgia. And when I uh, when we got to Georgia, um, we found a local racing series in Bandoliers and Legend Cars to start racing. So um, I always watched NASCAR when I was on when 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 it was on TV. Um, I believe that we we met Jeff Gordon when I was like four or five years old over at uh, at a local Chevrolet dealership. Um, I think it played Trobe. So um, it, it was always something that I was passionate about for sure. So when did you, I, I take it you were probably either in Virginia or Georgia, was it with Georgia when you started racing competitively? Was that at the age of 15? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was in Georgia. Uh, we found a, a racing series actually at, at Land Motor Speedway in Bandoliers and Legend Cars. And um, Bandoliers, for those that don't know, it's kind of like a go-kart with a body. And, um, about a, like a, a 30 horsepower braking Stratton lawnmower engine that was in it and, uh, went about 50, uh, 40, 50 miles an hour. Um, but of course, you know, at, at the age of 15, getting into racing, that was a very, very late start. So most kids nowadays that are racing in NASCAR start when they're five, six, seven years old. So, um, so I definitely had a late start there, but, um, and then of course, like we were just fans, so we didn't have really any connections in NASCAR. So we kind of grew up doing it the old school way, and we found a local car, and, and me and my dad, you know, worked on the car in our garage. We didn't know a spring from a shock or, or any kind of adjustment, so we just kind of had to learn on the fly and, and figure it out. That kind of makes it fun, though. You know what I mean? Some of the best drivers are the ones that came up through the ranks and worked on the cars themselves and had that kind of connection to it. Whereas, you know, when you get the big-time NASCAR, you know, especially when you look at some of these massive teams like Hendrick or Stuart Haas, you know, they've got hundreds of employees. The driver never cranks a wrench. He just climbs into it. So uh, it's kind of cool to hear the stories about guys coming up through the ranks and actually twisting the wrenches themselves. Yeah, no, and, and it definitely helps. And, and I think, you know, I think it helps mentally more than anything. It just kind of gives you pride in what you're doing. It, it, it teaches you how to take care of your equipment, which is very, very important to car owners nowadays. Um, it's really expensive, you know, first to put these cars on the track and then second to fix them. And, and you don't want to go fixing cars every week. So, um, definitely important for those those two things, but um, it was also you know a really fun thing for for me and my dad to go do and and you know kind of have a a hobby that that turned into something for me and um, that was uh, that was definitely cool. He he always kept a giant notebook, so you know we go back and look at that notebook every once in a while just to just to see how things went. You know he would kind of keep track of the weekend, so um, definitely some cool memories for sure. So you did the Bandoleros and the Legends. Then what was the next step after that? Yeah, so um, this is kind of where, where things went a little bit different for me as opposed to most kids. Um, I didn't go uh, short track stock car racing. I actually got a, uh, an opportunity to um, drive for the Richard Pay Driving Experience as a, a driving instructor. And uh, that was in, um, I think, I graduated in 2010 and did the summer series 
in legend cars and then uh, moved to Charlotte in 2011, I think in March when I was 18 and uh, started working for the petty driving experience. And from there I worked for them for about five years. I started kind of doing some buckling and doing some flagging and doing, you know, all kinds of different things. And then finally about uh, six to eight months later, I got uh, uh, promoted to driving instructor and started uh, doing ride-alongs and, and being a driving instructor there and, and getting a lot of experience on, on different NASCAR tracks. So um, obviously we weren't going, you know, NASCAR speed or anything like that. But we were still going about 160, 160 miles an hour. And that's kind of where I got all my experience in stock cars. And then uh, from there, I uh, got an opportunity to test a uh, ARCA car with Brian Kozlowski. He actually worked for the Petty Experience at the time as their head driving instructor. And I kind of leaned on him because when I got to Charlotte, I had no connections. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going to go from Petty. Uh, but I always knew I, I wanted to get to NASCAR. So just kind of made connections with him, did the ARCA test at Daytona, and then that kind of led me to race three ARCA races with Derek Cope. And, um, and then you know, for the next, that was in 2013. And then for the next couple of years, I kind of did one or two races a, a year. And then, uh, 2015, I finally got the opportunity to, uh, drive a truck for Mike Mittler. And, um, and then from there got the opportunity in 2016 to go full-time Xfinity racing with JD Motorsports and was there four years. And then now we're in the cup series. So that's kind of, uh, how the progression happened for me. So for the folks at home, uh, Brian Keselowski's Brad's brother, and the Keselowski family has a huge uh, connection to racing. Uh, you know, even their dad raced. So, uh, so it's interesting. So you basically, when you graduated high school, moved to Charlotte and said, "I'm going to do this, uh, however it takes." Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, through through the, you know, I, as I say it now, it seems so easy, but but through all the years you know, I'm, I'm grinding and I'm trying to find sponsors and I'm trying to make connections. And, you know, this, everybody knows nowadays that, you know, racing is, is definitely a big business. So, um, I started focusing on the marketing side and the business side as opposed to maybe the competition side. And that's kind of when I started becoming successful because it, it, it takes money. It takes sponsors. So, um, you know, through all the connections, not only am I making, racing connections in the racing industry. I'm making um, marketing connections and, and business connections to, to help fund it. So uh, all the way through, um, you know, getting through the cup series, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to not only make myself as valuable to car owners, but I'm making myself as valuable to businesses to, to get them to spend money and, and give them the, the biggest return that they can on their marketing dollars. And that's kind of what I was doing and, and still are doing now. Um, all the way up to the rank. That's some valuable advice for the local racers. And, uh, you know, it really trickles down through every racing series, but that's something for all the local guys that are listening that they can obviously learn and embrace because that's really what it's all about. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and, you know, that, that, that so many times it's lost and, you know, maybe it's, it's, uh, it's not necessarily the path that you want to take because, you know, for me, I, I never thought that I'd be a, a business owner. Um, you know, I have uh here at Smith racing LLC that, you know, that's kind of how my sponsorship goes through. And, um, and I never thought that I, that I'd be a, 
be a business owner and, and talk so much business, but you know, if, if you look at the, the ratio from the amount of time that I spend on the racetrack and the amount of time that I spend on the phone and on the computer doing business, um, it's very, very, very skewed towards the business side. But for me, I, I love it. It's, um, it's definitely something that that's not for everybody, but, um, I would say if, if you want to get to, to NASCAR, you have to start focusing on the business side. You have to start focusing on the marketing side and you have to figure out how to, to give value from your platform to these companies. And uh, that's what it's all about. So you got up to the Cup Series, uh, and this year you're running for Rick Ware. And talk a little bit about the opportunity and your season up until COVID-19 through the brakes on everything. Yeah, it's, um, you know, obviously as a, as a race car driver uh, in, in stock car racing, the, the end goal is to want to get to the Cup Series. And um, this is the first year that uh, that I'm not running Xfinity with JD Motorsports, which was definitely kind of weird. I've been with them for four years, but um, but they had some some drivers come through and uh, and really you know didn't have uh, any room for me. Um, and you know it just so happened that I got this opportunity with Rick Ware. I, I started a relationship. Actually, I started a relationship with Rick back in 2015, and he's the reason that I got into the Truck Series. So it's it's crazy that I'm back with Rick in the cup series. Um, they're a smaller team, but they're, they're growing. And, um, you know, we have three charters, three cars that we take to the racetrack every week. And, um, and it's, it's been, it's been great so far. Um, they, they, they really do a good job with hospitality and, um, and having, having the, the, as nice of equipment as we can at, at uh, at the racetrack. Um, for us, you know, we're, we're going for top thirties. I mean, that's, that's our goal. That's a, that's a really good day for us. It's, um, you know, we're, we're trying to compete with somebody like Corey, Corey LaJoy and, uh, and go fast racing and then, uh, premium motorsports, fire motorsports, um, you know, and, and Carl Long, uh, motorsports. So I'm um, just trying to, trying to keep the cars clean, keep the cars in one piece and build as much as we can. Um, it's been a good season so far. We, uh, we've run pretty good. We've, we've had some bad luck that uh, kind of took us out of getting getting to that top 30 number but um, we've been really happy with our speed and we're just we're building and i think i think the the biggest thing what we're trying to do is we're trying to get to this to this next gen car because i think that's going to be a a big change for nascar and i think that's going to help teams like rick Ware. so um it's been good and then obviously all this uh, all this craziness happened and um, we're trying to all get through it and uh having some fun on the iRacing deals and um, those are televised on Fox every week now on Sundays, and we've been having success with that too. That was my next question. I was going to ask you in the meantime, since you guys can't race, uh, you've jumped onto the iRacing platform, and you and Timmy Hill and a couple of the guys who may not be in equivalent equipment when it comes to the real-time racing, but you guys are showing your skills on the iRacing platform, and it has to be invaluable exposure. Uh, it's it's huge. I mean, you know, we 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 got the poll for the first one. Uh, well, I say we. I guess it's just me now because I don't really have a team. Um, I do have some some really good uh, i racers that are helping me out a little bit. But um, got the poll in the first one. Led some laps. I think we led the second most laps at Homestead. Finished fifth, and then uh, at Texas, we uh, we qualified twelfth. Drove up to I think uh, second. And then ultimately ended up third. So it's it's been really cool. I mean, it's it's been really cool not only to uh, pick up some new fans 
and um, and and some some more exposure that way. But you know, the people in the industry, I, I've had. I mean, from then until now, uh, from the first one, I've had probably fifteen to twenty interviews. You know, different podcasts and different um, different print interviews in the industry. Uh, Michael Lustrup came over to my house to do, you know, the pre-race grid walk that they're kind of doing now um, with all this stuff. So it's been uh, it's been crazy, and uh, absolutely right, it's been invaluable, and I, I really think that uh, that that that's going to help us moving forward in, in the real car once we get back racing. It's been very very cool, and I never thought I'd be selling sponsorships on on a an e NASCAR, I guess you could call it now. Maybe we can get you to paint the car black and gold. Maybe we can get a Pittsburgh area company to uh, step up and and uh, or Western Pennsylvania. Maybe somebody out in Latrobe or Ligonier that wants to uh, get on your car. So you got an opportunity. Give him your best pitch. Why should they get involved with Garrett Smithley? Well, listen, I'm uh, to my knowledge, I'm the only driver from from Pennsylvania in the Cup Series. And I think in the Cup Series and the Extended Series right now, so I, uh, I I'm representing the state. I'm uh, I'm I'm trying to promote as much as I can. I always talk about Ligonier and Fort Ligonier days, bringing cars up there. Um, I'd love to get some some type of uh, uh, tourism uh, deal just to to kind of get get the word about about visiting Pittsburgh and visiting uh, Western Pennsylvania and um, you know it's it's my home. It's uh, it's a, a place that I have a lot of passion for. Huge Steeler fan, huge Penguins fan, huge Pirates fan. Um, love the, uh, the the local local sports there, and uh, actually I got to go to a Penguins game this this winter uh, around Christmas time. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun. That was the first Penguins game I got to go to. So um, that's uh, that's where my heart is up in in Western Pennsylvania, and uh, would love to to promote a Western Pennsylvania company as much as I can. Well, we're enjoying watching your progression uh, up the NASCAR ladder. We hope it continues. We wish you the best of luck with uh, Rick Ware Racing. And uh, how have you been dealing with the, uh, I know down in North Carolina, they have the stay-at-home order like they do here in Pennsylvania. How have you been coping with it? Uh, <laughs> I racing, man. I don't know what I would be doing right now if it wasn't for for all this eye racing, um, it's uh, you know obviously it's a scary time for everybody, but um, but this eye racing thing has kind of put everything you know back to as normal as we can get right now. I think um, you know the biggest thing is just putting on a good show for our fans and putting on a good show for our industry professionals. Um, North Carolina right now has a state of home order until um, I think it's uh, let me think it's uh, April thirtieth, so at least so. Um, none of our none of our race shops are working. Nobody's really doing anything except for uh, you know different teleconferences and and uh, you know they they just put Race Hub back on on TV on Fox Sports One. At, at, I think it's on six o'clock, but uh, everybody's doing it at home. So um, we're just trying to trying to get through it all together. Um, but uh, putting a lot of a lot of time and effort into this eye racing thing and trying to trying to you know do as well as I can. I mean, it's a, like you said, it's a huge opportunity. It's a huge stage. We had 1.3 million people, uh, watching us. And, um, it's, uh, that's a, that's a huge number to be watching a virtual race. And I think it's just a opportunity for people to, to come. And, and even if it's just for a couple hours, just forget about everything going on and, and just kind of get away, get away from it. I mean, that's what sports is. That's what sports does for everybody. 
And um, I'm glad that iRacing, NASCAR, Fox all partnered together to, to do this. And, um, you know, for the next at least four Sundays, we're going to be doing it. And I think we may even, you know, continue and do it after. So um, we're trying to get through it all together and uh, just, you know, really hoping and praying that everybody's staying safe out there, staying healthy. And um, definitely want to be thinking about those that, that, have, that have been affected by this stuff. Garrett Smithley, we appreciate the time. We wish you the best of luck. We will follow up with you later in the year if that's cool with you. Yep, absolutely. Thanks so much. Great talking with Garrett. We're going to check in with him later in the year to follow his progress once NASCAR gets back on track. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Information about children with this disease is limited, but they are known to have had mild symptoms. Many organizations are responding accordingly, depending upon their area. It's best to stay home and away from others, especially when sick, and continue following healthy hand wash guidelines, covering mouth and nose and not touching your face or high-touch surfaces. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces regularly, and for more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Our next guest is future Sprint Car Hall of Famer, 10-time World of Outlaws champion and the runner-up to Brad Sweet in 2019. What a privilege to talk with Donnie Schatz. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast, 10-time World of Outlaw NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car champion Donnie Schatz. Donnie, thanks for taking time out to join us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Donnie, when did you first become a race fan before you even thought about being a driver? What, when did that happen and what attracted you to the sport? Uh, when I was about five years old, my father took me to the Nodak Speedway uh, on a Sunday night. Uh, that was their race nights. And, you know, as a kid, you played outside in the summer and Sunday nights were kind of big. So, uh, you know, you could I could hear them from the house all the time and it, there was always that curiosity and uh, my father happened to take me there, and it, it was sprint car night, which wasn't something they had there all the time. It was, you know, sprint cars were only specials. Uh, it was a stock car track. So, um, man, it was crazy. The, you know, the races had already started, and we showed up, and all the noise, and, um, you know, just something that I was always attracted to. I think uh, probably a lot to do with uh, him being a racer himself and um, all that. We had four-wheelers growing up and, and always uh, were doing things with, uh, motorized vehicles so um you know it just kind of went hand in hand and and ever since then i've uh it's been something i've been in love with and attracted to and blessed to be a part of so you kind of had a, a fossil filled youth so to speak yeah pretty much you know um always dreamed of being able to do it um and then you know when i was 10 years old i i got a go-kart for my birthday and uh was able to do a little asphalt racing on a road course around home and they didn't have you know, there wasn't a lot of carts there the adults and the kids had to race together so for me it was an uphill battle um starting out as a kid you had to race with people who were experienced and could drive and and all that so it was it was probably for the better um it, it uh, forced me to to have a learning curve a lot quicker than the normal person and, and have some fun with it as well so something we uh, focused on a lot did a lot with until uh, i was able to drive a sprint car for the first time when i was 14 and uh, didn't know quite what to think it was pretty scary to me as a lot of horsepower i uh, didn't know that i'd ever uh, have a feel for for what those took but um here i am 
I don't know, 32 years later after being 10 and, <laughs> and it's still something that I enjoy. Did you play any other sports growing up? Um, I played hockey. Um, you know, I, I came, I played hockey and, um, it wasn't something that I, it wasn't a passion like racing was racing was something that, um, I would drop anything to do and hockey was just a high school sport. You know, I, I wasn't, uh, I liked doing it. It kept me fit. It, it, I had a lot of friends that played hockey and I wasn't all that good at it, but, um, you know, it was just a sport that I was involved in and. Um, like I said, I, I missed the, missed some hockey for racing. And I remember the coach telling me, uh, you need to decide what you want to do. Well, that was easy for me because hockey was never going to be a career. And, uh, I'd always dreamed of being a racer. So, um, that made it a really easy decision for me. So, but how old were you roughly when the coach came to you and said, you got to make the decision and you made the decision, Hey, I'm going to be a race car driver. Is that pretty much when you just went full force at it? No, um, you know, I already had my mind made up that I wanted to be full force, but I missed some games uh, to go to Florida uh, one spring in, uh, I think it was 90, 95 or 94. I don't remember which year, probably the year I graduated. And, um, you know, that's when I kind of got the speech. And I understand why why he said it, but uh, it is what it is. That I'd already had my mind made up uh, that I was going to do that. Um, it was just uh, – more solidifying that um you know what my what my devotion was so uh i'm not upset about it uh i still reminisce with my buddies that we played hockey with and uh i don't think there's anybody that i went to high school with that feels like i i uh, made the wrong choice or went down the wrong path because it's worked out pretty well i would say it's worked out pretty well 10 uh, world of outlaw nos energy drink sprint car championships you haven't finished uh out of the first or second in the points for for 14 years that's an amazing level of consistency what do you attribute your success in that consistency to well there's a lot of things that go into it um you know it's not just me that uh on the racetrack has to do things when, when you have uh, nights where your car's not that good and you got to adapt and there's nights that you can't win you got to get the best finish which might be second or third or fourth and some nights it might be 15th you just don't know uh, but I've always been around great people and I've learned from every one of them um, I've taken something from every uh, great crew chief that I've raced with uh, all throughout my career and even in, a lot of the guys that have worked on the cars they've become friends um, you know and we've learned from each other and we've fed off each other and um, you know, those guys are the, they're the difference, you know, the right now, the guys at Tony Stewart racing, um, you know, they've for the last 12 years, um, their cars don't fall out of races. They don't miss a beat. Um, they go the extra mile to make sure things are, are done properly and they don't cut corners. Um, and they don't have someone that stands over and tells them you can't do this and you can't do that. Um, sure. Uh, there's disagreements. Uh, a lot of times about uh, what's the right direction. Uh, but I think that's just a, that's a natural common competitive thing that happens in our sport. Uh, and if you had everybody agreeing all the time, we, we'd probably be doing something uh, more effective than racing. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things. Uh, my father, uh, you know, the way I was raised, um, you know, I wasn't getting patted on the back when I didn't need a pat, when I didn't deserve a pat on the back. Um, I got a kick in the butt and, and, uh, that's something that's different than what you see today. So, um, there's a lot of things, uh, it's not just one, um, 
some days when when everything lines up together, it's like the stars line up. Uh, things are great, but when they're not, you have to work through it. And uh, there's a lot of days that uh, we've had to work through things, and uh, we've ha- we had to make that enjoyable as well. What advice would you give the local sprint car drivers and the local dirt track drivers, uh, the ones that are trying to either, you know, they're, some of them are running local schedules, some of them are trying regional schedules. What advice would you give to them uh, on how to approach their program and how to even out the highs and the lows? Well, that's the million-dollar question. Uh, evening out them highs and lows is, is uh, something that, that not everybody figures out. Uh, there's days that, that I don't have it figured out. And, you know, you get times like this that, that make you question all that as well. Um, you, you know, the, the thing about racing with the world of outlaws that a lot of people don't understand is they think it's a life of a rock star. All we do is go out and have fun. Well, there's, it's not all just fun. And when you start paying the bills with a race car and, um, you know, it's a, it's a very, very, tough 24 7 365 commitment and and it, it's it's a lot more than that um everybody's going to have a rough spot everybody's going to have a down you know downturn or this or that and that downturn is probably how you handle that is is a lot different than in a lot of other businesses you know you get to go home every night and sleep in your bed and and you wake up the next morning with your batteries recharged and you can forget things that you don't have that option when you race with the outlaws a lot of time uh, a lot of times these teams are traveling from A to B, um, you know, throughout the summertime, hammering it hard. They don't sleep in their own beds. They're from hotel, hotel to hotel and something gets tore up. They fix it in a motel parking lot or in the middle of the night. And, you know, there's no reset button. There's no step back from anything and say, hey, um, we need to take a breather. We need to, to recheck things. We need to recharge. Uh, it's like doing inventory every month at, at a retail store. Um, you know, that's something that's standard, but there's nothing that's standard in when you run these race teams. It's um, whatever challenge is in front of you right now, um, and it could be a different one in five minutes and how you handle that. So um, sometimes being able to to be home and and uh, sleep in your own bed and shrug it off is, is probably one of the best things there is. I'm fortunate. I get to sleep in my own bed a lot. I get to be home a lot. Um, and get away from it and not have to eat, sleep, and drink at 24, 7, 365. And um, that's how I do it. So, um, you know, those guys that that uh, everybody's going to cope with things in a different way. So it's hard to give someone advice as to how to deal with the highs and lows when uh, it's an ever-moving target for me as well. When you look at how the season started out, and then we've had this red flag flown, thrown because of this COVID-19, uh, it, it really has a domino effect on the tracks, the teams, the drivers, the sponsors. How have you been able to cope with this little bit of a layoff? And how do you build some of that sponsor value when when you can't go to the track? Well, uh, there's a couple things that my dad always told me, and one was don't worry about what you, what you can't control. Uh, the first and most important is we all, we all get upset about the weather at the races. It's going to rain, and, you know, there's – there's no way that I can control the weather or make it go this way or that way or be nice or be rainy. It's, you know, so I, I let it go. I, I've had to find a way to just not let it bother me, whether it's good or bad. Uh, and this is no different. You know, this, this is, this is beyond the control of myself, uh, the sport. Um, you know, this is a, could be a human, human crisis. 
um, if it turns, if this turns real bad. So, um, I've just got to stand back and do my part, uh, what they've asked, you know, when this first happened, uh, we were supposed to race that weekend and they canceled the races and, um, there was people jockeying across the country to race in Eastern PA or central PA. And I was like, man, does it make a lot of sense to, if they're not letting us race in Texas, because this is bad, are, are we really going to journey across the country and what's the purpose here either? How can it be here, but not there? And, um, you know, that kind of sent me for a little bit of a loop, but obviously a week later there's, you know, everybody's kind of in the same boat. So, um, I don't know what, uh, what we can do. You know, we, we all try to do the best by our sponsors. Uh, ultimately being on the racetrack is, is the number one thing we can do, but, um, you know, they're doing, doing these shows and podcasts and, uh, staying active on social media is something that helps, uh, with sponsorships. And we, we work uh, real close with a lot of our sponsors on, on different ideas uh, for things when we get back racing. So it's not like things are shut off for us. Um, we're always activating, uh, you maybe don't see it, but, uh, there's always, uh, ideas and activations that go on, uh, outside what the general public sees. Tony Stewart Racing with Curvag and Cheney, and you guys have some great sponsors, so let's give them a shout-out for their support. Uh, talk a little bit about how important they are to the program and what you guys are trying to do. You know, we've, uh, we have a lot of fun with our, with our partners that we have, um, right from Chuck Sinks at Sage Fruit that's been with us several years. Uh, we have a great working relationship. We enjoy doing commercials for Chuck, and and, uh, you know, we're all fruit lovers as well. So it just kind of goes hand in hand. Um, you know, and this year we've added, uh, advanced auto parts stables with CarQuest and TechNet, um, along with us and Digital Ally. Uh, we've, we've had a long working relationship with Ford and, and a new engine project that's been going on. And, um, we're all excited to get to the point where we can get out and, uh, burn some methanol and get things going. So, yeah, we do. You're, we have a lot of great people that, that support Tony and his team. And um, that's the one thing that's really neat in this time. You know, this is an un, unseen time for anybody. Uh, but Tony's uh, checking in on everyone to making sure everyone's okay every day, uh, giving them a some advice, trying to be a leader, uh, doing all the things he needs to do, and just ensuring everyone, hey, guys, let's do our part. We're going to get past this, and we're going to come back stronger than we were before. So, um, it's really neat to be a part of an organization like that, uh, where, where he, he gives you the tools that you want then lets you use them the way you choose. So, uh, I gotta, I gotta thank him for, uh, his outstanding contribution to not only me and the sport, but, uh, the guys on this race team. You know, Tony reminds me a lot of the late Don Martin who ran Lernerville Speedway and owned Lernerville Speedway for so long. Don was always there to help the racers out whenever they needed something or if they had a problem or whatever, Don was the type of guy. And he didn't do it for fanfare. He just did it because it was the right thing to do. And, uh, God, Tony reminds me so much of him. Yeah, it's uh, incredible how he is. You know, it, sometimes people look at things for money or they look at it for another reason. You know, in a time like this, it's uh, it's the last thing. Money can't control a lot of things. and. Some people are just built that way, and, and you're right. Tony's built that way, just like Don Martin was. And, uh, you know, it's, the, the people like that are few and far between, but uh, I guess I'm very fortunate to have been around uh, been around a few of them and enjoy their success along with them. 
Well, when we get back to racing, we know it's going to be another fierce battle this year in the World of Outlaws for for the title. Uh, who do you think's going to? Who do you think you're going to be up there battling with throughout the season? Because it's always, I mean, you and Sweet last year had an unbelievable battle, and a lot of times, you know, it's not just two or uh, one or two drivers; it's three, four, or five that are up there fighting out for the championship. Yeah, I don't think it'll be any different. I mean, uh, Brad's you know figured things out and. He's been pretty consistent for the last several years, so I'm sure he'll be up there. It's it's uh, hard to say. You know, it, there's a lot of people that look good when the season starts out, and um, we've only raced three times. So, uh, when are we going to race again? We don't know. And um, this could this this downtime could drastically change the the outlook on what a championship looks like. There may be 30 less races. 20. Who knows? We we're not uh, sure of that yet. So. Um, all we can do is worry about what happens at Tony Stewart Racing. Uh, I work with the best guys there is in the pit area, and when we do our job right, um, you know we're the car to beat most nights. So uh, we'll keep on that path and, and try to stay uh, focused on what it is we do and not worry about what anybody else is doing. Well, we look forward. Hopefully, you guys will make the swing this summer through Pennsylvania. You guys will hit Lernerville. You guys will hit the uh, Williams Grove. And then you'll be back for the Commonwealth Clash uh, later in the year. So hopefully we can get all this stuff straightened out. And I think at that point in time, it's going to be super important for the race fans to come out and support the tracks. Absolutely. It's going to be ultimately important. Um, You know, I I was hoping that a couple weeks of this, uh, everybody do their part, we'd be back to normal. Well, obviously that's not, uh, you know, not going to be the ultimate case. So um, we still have to work hard but you're right when we get back racing um we got to get out there and do our part to make sure uh everybody's uh supporting the things they do support local business come support your local racetrack uh it's it's what makes the world go around it's uh it's unfortunate to be sitting down but um not much we can do about it so we just have to uh try to make the best light of this downtime and uh we will make the best light of it when it's time to go back racing how are you spending the downtime? What do you What have you been doing to occupy your time? You know what? I, I'm not. Uh, I'm making the best of this. I've had a lot of things that I wanted to get done that uh, I wouldn't normally get started if I didn't have a week or two here or there, and um, we've had that. So uh, I've got little projects at my home that I've that I've started. I've got a, a lot of stuff with my late model team that I've wanted to get done, and. Um, a lot of different stuff on buildings and properties and stuff that needed some repairs and fixing. And it was uh, just a perfect opportunity for me to get my hands dirty and do some of that. So I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's not something that kind of feels like uh, a person skipping school. You know, I did that a little bit, but <laughs> right now it feels like I'm skipping it on a continuously daily basis. So uh, I'm making the best, best light of it and not missing anything. And uh, here, when this gets back going, I'll, should pretty well have my ducks in a row for everything to be perfect the way we we want them to be well hopefully we won't be on the sidelines and in the pits too too long we appreciate you taking the time out we wish you the best of health to you and your family and everyone associated with your race team and we hope to see you sooner rather than later on the racetrack all right thanks for having me donnie we appreciate the time uh best of luck to you and uh we'll definitely see you at lernerville this summer all right thank you Thanks to Donnie Schatz, Garrett Smithley, and Colin Kaminsky for joining us on this week's edition of the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. 
and thanks to you for joining us, race fans. Don't forget to stay up to speed on all of the local racing news, as well as the latest in the world of NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, dirt tracks. Check us out at PittsburghRacingNow.com. Any use of this podcast without the express written consent of Pittsburgh Racing Now is prohibited. I'm Scott Stiller. Stay safe and healthy, everybody, and we will talk to you next week.